0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the Incubator Podcast. I'm your co-host Aaron Boyd, and this
1: is Sabir Saran. We are very excited today to bring you Sarbjit Johal, who is a personality in the technology industry. He brings together a perspective as an analyst, as a uh, as a evangelist, and uh, founder as well in the out there in the, in the tech industry. Uh, he's been known on uh, appearances at on the Cube and many other forums. So we are very excited to have you, Sarabjit, uh, join us here on the Incubator podcast today. Uh, how are you?
2: Great, Sinder. I'm um, happy to be here. Yep.
1: Great. Uh, Sarabjit, if you wouldn't mind uh, expanding a little bit more, like I said, uh, you are a strategist, a technologist at heart, and uh, increasingly you're, you're providing your views in industry. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more about your background and, and what you're up to.
2: Yeah, actually, I will, um, I will briefly explain my 28 years in tech. Um, I'm economics major, by the way, and I fell into tech when I moved to U.S. in 94. I started working as a programmer uh, with McDonald's Corporation in Chicago, and from there I went to Visa. After that, I went to a company called Commerce One. It was a darling of dot-com days, and I spent five years there. Uh, great uh, tenure, learned a lot there. And then after that, I joined... Uh, uh, PeopleSoft, which Oracle bought with a hostile takeover, um, and I spent about three years there, and then uh, I moved to EMC. So till PeopleSoft, I was in more in the development. I was writing code and leading teams of developers and so forth, right? But then when I moved to EMC, I was still doing software stuff, but I went to a company which was more ops focused. It was a storage company, then. Rackspace was just emerging uh, as a number two cloud provider. They hired me to do their advisory services. Um, for the last seven years, I invested um, money into an incubator here in Bay Area. Since that, I am independent uh, consultant slash um, uh, technology advisor, strategist. And then as of late for the last two years or so, uh, people have labeled me as an analyst and I go to uh, uh, events like uh, Reinvent and uh, um, you know, and any cloud event, I'm there actually.
1: Well, thank you for that. And uh, as an analyst, is what caught my attention, uh, right? Um, I, I heard you in several different forums and said, "Hey, I got we got to talk to this guy." So, um, Sergey, through those uh, views that I've had uh, of you and giving your perspective on, on various uh, forums and platforms uh, and conferences. You know, you often like to talk about, um, you know, weaving uh, your your economics background into it, consumption economics, I believe, right, e- into into your uh, way of approaching what is happening or occurring within technology. Um, so one thought I wanted to maybe kick off here is getting your view uh, from that consumption economics vantage point of where we are, what's the state of the industry when we talk about cloud, um, you have this reaction, call it from a macroeconomics view, the economy slowing down, companies now saying, hey, we're going all everything as a service, everything cloud, Everyone's wants to be in, in one of the cloud providers, CSPs. Um, and then does it really make sense from, a, uh, from an economic standpoint? Uh, and or what are the stages or paradigms that you're seeing out there and uh, or maybe inflection points thereof?
2: Long story short, cloud has given us a lot of new, new way of consuming technology. It's a new business model, if you will, from the consumption side. So we don't spend all the money up front. That's one thing. And on the technology side, it has given a lot of innovation to us. Innovation has been concentrated at these bigger cloud providers, and they can throw more money at security and, and scaling policies and, and storage policies and storage tiers and all that stuff, which was our dream. Um, they can do that better than the on prem um, technology providers could do. You said yeah.
1: enterprise, uh, um So I get it from the technology standpoint. Technology firms, they could innovate, they don't have to be concerned about the underlying infrastructure, but what about the enterprises now that, uh, and I'll just pick on enterprises, but there's obviously the, you know, mid and, uh, smaller firms, but, uh, for the enterprise space where they've had a heavy CapEx investment in, in on-prem infrastructure, what is your view from the economic standpoint that, um, these firms now are just saying, let's, let's go all cloud. Right. Um, and make a hard push to get into the cloud. Do the economics, in your view, make sense, or this is going to be a curve where everything goes from, the pendulum swings from on-prem to cloud, and then somewhere just comes right back in the middle, of fit for purpose, we'll have to figure out. Um, where do you see things going?
2: In this context, I will, I'll put this term out there. It's called narrative economics. There's a book written on it, by a Nobel Prize winner economist. So what happens with the, with the narrative n- narratives is that, in the, it, narratives take hold of our industry, right? Or or the whole, all industries. And then people just hop onto it and they say, I wanna do it too, I wanna do it too kind of thing, right? So we don't wanna be left behind. So I think cloud narrative took hold of um, the enterprises and people want to say, oh yeah, we, we don't wanna be left behind. Our competitor has this much stuff in, in cloud and their books look good. By the way, it goes into books as well, like financial books, right? Uh, how much CapEx you have and cloud makes your books look good. That's a fact uh, to the financial analysts, right? Uh, so they say, we want, we want our share price to be better than our com- com- competitor. We wanna look good to the market, to the analysts, right? So they moved a lot of stuff to the cloud, which we didn't even need to move there, right? So Mistakes were made, but having said that, I I have done a lot of migrations myself, led a lot of migrations myself. So you really don't know like how successful you will be till you try it actually, to be honest with you. So you have to move workloads there um, and you will sort of calibrate as, as you go further. Like you will, you have to move your existing applications as is in many cases, so you can cook up the uh, sort of these adjacent applications systems of innovation or systems of engagement close to or next to the other systems. So many times you have to move these applications, even though you know that they are being run cheaper on-prem, you have to move it there so you can innovate. So there's a price of innovation. And, and the companies which are willing to pay that price, they do better. So if, you, if, if your company's collective mindset is more of like, we wanna be the leader in this space, or we wanna you know, we, we be seen as innovator in the space, then cloud is the way to go. That's a, a deep, I, I can say that my, with my eyes closed because the, the, the rate of experimentation you can do in cloud, you can do on-prem.
0: Yeah, I want to, <clears throat> hoping to explore a couple ideas with you uh, on some of this. Mm-hmm. There, there was a lot of of uh, ground to cover. Um, like, if you take a neoclassical economics view of cloud, I will tell you right now, they have better pricing than on prem. Why? They can source in the open market. They have economies of scale that a data center isn't just isn't going to have. Or a company they can do demand pooling much better. Some of them make their own silicone. Like in theory it should be way more cost-effective than cloud. But I will tell you, when I went to cloud, back in, let's say, 2010, we really started, within six months, I was so upside down on my budget, uh, it, was, it just got ridiculous. Turns out, it's not just the price of all the goods, or it's not even the price of putting a service together, there's a lot of other costs. There's institutional costs, there's transactional costs. Even those costs, there are so many levers that can influence Um, uh, what that cost back to the organization is. There's costs of training. There's costs of even selecting a CSP. You talked about business process engineering or re-engineering. There's a cost to that. There are so many costs that it's still to this day making it very prohibitive for some organizations to truly embrace cloud. You covered the development side. I agree. Experimentation, you can do that so quickly and at such a cost-effective means. But let's talk enterprise for a moment. What are some of the factors you're seeing that are making it prohibitive or, or complex for people to get their arms around a cost? And I'll, I'll say this. I often tell people, um, if you're going to the cloud to save money, uh, that's going to be an exceptional um, goal to achieve. If you're going to the cloud to see what the cost of a transaction is to influence your future purchases, to influence where you invest your dollars that visibility is probably uh, a lot more aligned and a lot more easy to achieve. But can you talk to us about what are some of these costs that are making it so difficult for enterprises to truly embrace cloud uh, and, in meaningful ways?
2: So the, as you said, it, it's, if you just look at, you know, from the top view, there's no denial that cloud should be cheaper, it is cheaper. And by the way, the cloud unit economics is much better for the cloud providers themselves, Right. But is it good for you, the consumer of a cloud, and that depends upon how you're consuming it. That's where the consumption economics sort of comes into the play. Um, that, that how do you how do you consume what do you consume, that matters, and then and that comes from the architecture. What are the different different sort of uh, components in your architecture? How you, how the application is architected, how old it is, how old it is who cooked it is it the vendor provided Is it homegrown is it the mashup of the it's a freaking mess of the both worlds right um none almost none of the very few actually very few maybe not maybe one percent of the analysts or or people who talk in in terms of system economics people talk about the difference between on-prem dollars going on on-prem dev or, or um, in home-built applications versus vendor provider versus the mix. There's no data on it. No, Gartner doesn't publish it. You know, you take all the top, you know, folks who, who do these analysis, they, they don't publish this data, but that is, the, that is where the mess is.
0: When you're talking to customers that are either looking to go into cloud, maybe in a more meaningful way, um, is there a cautionary tale, or is there a, a barrier that you say unless you have these capabilities, um, be careful? Like one of the things we, you know, if you look at one service like Lambda, there's a there's a lot of cost dynamics, and that's just one service. There's number of requests, there's provision concurrency, there's duration of invocations, there's your logging, there's your memory, there's so many elements to that one service. That's yeah. that's the that's the cost dynamics. But then you've got a number of tools, maybe they're costs, open source, uh, maybe it's CSP provided that can say, hey, there's things we can do to, to help you get your arms around it, um, but you still need to have some expertise. And then finally, there's like all these activities and, and levers that you can pull as a customer. Maybe it's better code tuning, maybe it's pre-event filtration. There's, there's lots of things you need to do. Now that's one service and I have to get that right because if I don't, that cost may get away from me very quickly. Um, now, times that by hundreds of services that all have their own dynamics and their way of managing and so on and so forth. When you talk to customers that are saying, hey, we want to embrace this, right? We've gone from the, the um, uh, testing and experiment, experimentation phase. Let's say we're ready to start attacking our systems of um, uh, record. Do you say, do you advocate that, hey, before you go down this path, there are some things you need to have right and you need to have as a fundamental understanding before you can embrace this otherwise we're going to have a conversation in six months and you're going to probably be looking to exit is it ever get that dire or or how do you approach uh, the complexity that sits in that that cloud
2: yeah I, I think the fact that you need to have that discussion means something is broken there so we need a central this is the antithesis of devops if you have a platform engineering that platform engineering can come up with the the tier, tiers of storage, tiers of compute. If you need GPU these days to train your models, like which, which GPU you should get from where, how many, what capacity, who can get access to it. So so there there needs to be a team which serves, like a shared services, serves all these devs inside the company. And another thing, actually, I I have, I have many one-liners, one is that every pivot has a dip. You have to know that. So when you are moving to the cloud, you're going to suffer. You're going to spend more. You're going to run things in parallel. Your your organization structure will be old structure as well as you are trying to put in a new structure organization organization wise as well. New roles, new CDO and all this, You know, chief AI officer and whatnot. So you still have the old CIO and or their body and you're paying for more bodies in short term during the transition. Mm-hmm. So if you're afraid of transition, you will never go there. You will never go to the other side. Yeah. So you have to go through this dip, which comes with every pivot. All right.
1: Well, thanks for Um, I'm going to take a, a pivot as well here. Hopefully it's not a dip. <laughs> 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 you mentioned AI, um, mm-hmm. We are we are hearing these days everything uh, Gen AI, and yeah. organizations are rushing to embrace it. What is your kind of pr- pragmatic view of of Gen AI, its impact, and where things are going for organizations, or how organizations should uh, should think about it?
2: It's age of micro consumption. I call it in technology. As we are throwing more and more technology at you, this being one of those new things, right? Um, you have to start tasting the technology in micro chunks, right? In smaller chunks, so you bring it in into smaller systems, smaller teams, experiment with it, then you train other people from inside, and then they will know the risk of it at the same time and what what it can do for you, because generative AI and its uh, adjacent Sort of uh, platforms around it, like retrieval augmented, augmented generation, and that's that's so RAG stands for. There are many mechanisms, different. There's some open source stuff for doing RAG. There's some proprietary RAG mechanisms. So it's moving very fast. So. So if you if you pick some vendor today, it, most probably you will not be working with that vendor like a six months down the line or maybe one year. So you have to, so it's kind of wait and watch. At the same time, you have to get your feet wet with it. So I think micro consumption is the only way to go um, mm-hmm. about it. So train your people, train not only your practitioners, but also your... Um, middle management and decision makers, um, non-tech people as well. So what are the capabilities? What can do, what it cannot do? What are the legal implications? What are the financial sort of implications and uh, how much it will take? Uh, Do you wanna train your own own models or do you wanna do rag on top of large language models and whatnot? Um, Mm -hmm. I've seen some clever things being done by the vendors. For example, VMware uh, trained uh, their own model with very sort of lot less money, not not using uh, NVIDIA uh, as GPUs, but some other you know, mechanism to train their model. So where the practitioners of VMware technology uh, can just use the prompt like, "Hey, um, give me a list of all the VMs running in you know this uh, ESX or." or this cluster, or, or tell me the storage um, uh, utilization uh, um, of these, you know, 5,000 VMs, whatever whatever they wanna do. So it scripts that for you. So yeah. they have trained that on their APIs and their SDKs and their CLIs and whatnot. Right. And AWS is doing the same thing. Google is doing the same thing. So everybody's training their models for their technology to start with. I'm talking about the technology providers and or service providers or cloud providers, right? They're doing that. So as an enterprise, you have some proprietary data, data, and it's your secret, you know, what customers you have and how much they're spending with you and whatnot, right? There's a lot of PII data and whatnot. So I think those models, there will be some there will be some vertical models for healthcare any healthcare sort of enterprise can can pick up and and use it but there will be some which which are which pertain to you only because that's the uh, maybe we can call it um, models of differentiation <laughs> coming up with the terms on the fly versus uh, like generic models you can get you know risk models for example C3 AI was the first, I think, uh, cl- the A- AI model marketplace but before even generative AI came into the picture, right? So you can get the um, risk um, assessment model uh, for credit card industry from them, for example, right, or for healthcare. So they have the models, you can get that and then adapt to your, like you have, as long as you have the the right columns in your data, you need to feed it, right? um, It will work, right? So you have to do some mapping, it will work. Mm -hmm. But then some companies will train their own models as well. Got it. So I think, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think training is number one, I will say. Like, uh, if you want to get started, make sure that you understand the capabilities and uh, all the different platforms and, and which one you should go with. And that will be hard to do, actually, in, in itself, to start right. with.
1: Well, um uh, this was a great chat. Uh, really appreciate you coming on to our show. And uh, we look forward uh, forward to more of your commentary um as we as we tune into your various forums
2: uh out there in the in the industry thank you very much for joining us today thanks tinder thanks uh Dhan. um enjoyed the discussion i know it's the, too much to talk through and i hope um the listeners will get some value out of it and or some patterns you know or maybe even one thing if you can take away from it you know that would be good enough agreed thank yeah. you so much <laughs> awesome Thank you. Thanks. Bye.